everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. It's amazing how fast life can change. In an instant, snap your fingers with me, life can change. Someone's driving, a drunk driver hits them in an instant, do it with me. Life has changed. The doctor walks in and says, you've got cancer. In an instant, life changes. You walk the aisle, look at this person and say, I do, you're done. In an instant, life changes, life changes. You realize in an instant, your eternity can be secure just like that. Think about the South, they've been ravaged by these tornadoes. People just doing life. All of a sudden like that, things change. Linda Ellis wrote a poem entitled, The Dash. I wanna read you just a section of this poem. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. If they were working on your tombstone, or in this case, mine, it would look something like this. I'm a 61 model, March 16th, 1961. Save your money for my birthday. My name, Edwin Barry Young. So it has my birth date when I entered the world, right? I was born into the Young family. Then you have a dash. This dash represents life on planet Earth. A question mark. The dash really keeps going and going and going into eternity. We have this fascination with forever. Even children's books end by saying, and they lived happily ever after. The Bible talks about forever a lot. It says in no uncertain terms, all of us face a forever, either with God or without him, either in heaven or, I know it's not popular these days, at least Time Magazine tells us this, or in hell. Jesus talked a lot about hell. Think about the dash in your life. What are you doing with your dash? I've had the opportunity to write a dozen or so books, and as I'm thumbing through the books, it has something like that. In the first few pages, author, you know, Edwin Berry Young, March 16th, 1961, dash, question mark. Look up somebody on Wikipedia, has the same thing, if they're alive. If they've died, it has an end date, when they graduated from this life to the next. Well, Jesus came along and Jesus said that if we know him, we'll spend eternity in a place called heaven. 
will leave the land of the dying and move to the land of the living. But then he said, those who reject me, those who turn their back on me, those who do the Heisman, they will leave the land of the dying and move to the land of the dead. That's what Jesus said. But what I want you to concentrate on today is the dash. What are you doing with the dash? What are you doing with this one and only life? Because the dash is just a blip on the radar screen compared to the dash throughout eternity that we all face. What are you doing with the dash? All of us were born separate from God. We were born alienated from Him. We have this synetic nature that we got from Adam. We're not automatically born into the family of God. We're born physically, and Jesus said in John chapter three, we have to get reborn, born again. That, that phrase is an uh, epic phrase because Jesus and the, and the writers of Scripture throughout the New Testament say something so radical will happen in a person's life that the only way to describe it is to, to, to be reborn, to be born again. And we have the opportunity, don't we, by choice to be born into the family of God. We either choose to do so or not. As I think about my dash, when I was young, I met Christ. Something shifted inside of my life that's never shifted back. A pivot point took place during my dash. As a young guy, I made that, that decision. And I gotta ask you, have you made that decision in your life? What are you doing with the dash? Because your dash will never be developed. You'll never discover the destiny of your dash here and also eternally until you make that commitment. I've been talking about swagger over the last several weeks. Swagger, what is swagger? Swagger is simply a cool word for confidence. We've been saying around here that true confidence comes from God, it's Godfidence. It's not saying I'm the man, it's saying God, I'm your man. It's not saying I'm the woman, it's God, I'm your woman. Simon Peter was a man who was so human, he was pretty much off the grid all over the pages of scripture. You see his good points and his bad points. Simon Peter sold his fishing business and followed Jesus. He got into the fishing for men business. He didn't really get everything, he, he got most of it. One day he said, Jesus, I'll never deny you, I'll never diss you, I'll never turn my back on you. And Jesus said, oh yeah, 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 you will in the next couple of hours. And sure enough, over a fire, after they'd arrested Jesus, Simon Peter denied Jesus. He did the first three-peat, cursed his name. Let me press the pause button for a second. Jesus was not a victim. I think sometimes people try to portray Jesus as this victim. No, Jesus was a volunteer. The Bible says in Luke chapter nine, verse 31, that Jesus set his faith set his face toward Jerusalem. That means he walked into the teeth of his torturers, 
In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus walked toward the teeth again of the arresting officers. He voluntarily allowed them to, to pound his body into a cross. He did it. Read the Gospels. He said, hey, if I want to, I can snap my fingers and legions of angels will come and rescue me. He didn't because he had your sin and mine on his mind. He was buried for three days. Then he burst forth with resurrection power. Simon Peter met him after the resurrection. Something shifted inside his life that never shifted back. It was a pivot point over a fire that Jesus built. Three times Jesus said, hey, Simon Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? What was he saying? Hey, Simon Peter, talk is cheap. Do you really love me with the totality of who you are? He rebooted Simon Peter, reinstated Simon Peter, recalibrated Simon Peter, redeemed Simon Peter, and from that day forward, this guy no longer cowered in fear. He was no longer pounded by pride. He had the resurrection power, and through the horsepower of the resurrection power, he was able to be one of the greatest men who ever walked on planet Earth. He did a lot with his dash, man. What are you doing with your dash? Why are you here? To recreate, procreate, do deals, and die? That's it? What are you doing with your dash? My mother-in-law's in town, she's 84. We were sitting on our porch a couple of days ago and one of the twins came by, she was going somewhere, and Elva, is that a great name or what? Elva looked at me and she said, Ed, can you believe the twins are driving? Time flies. And I said, Elva, I can't believe it. It seemed like just yesterday that we came up here, one car, one kid, no church building with 30 families and help start Fellowship Church. And now today, wow, five locations and a camp and our television program that reaches around the world. And I, I had no clue all this would transpire. It's happened like, do it with me. That, life flies, man. What are you doing with this one and only life? Think about the resurrection of Jesus. If you're intellectually and emotionally honest, if you really study it with an open mind, I'm telling you, the evidence is stacked on the side of Jesus. That he came back from the grave. He died and rose again, and he offers that to us. And we, too, can do the same because of the power of the resurrection. Well, there's a text in Scripture that really encapsulates what Christianity is all about. It really encapsulates what Godfidence is all about. It really encapsulates what swagger is all about. It was written by our boy Simon Peter. A guy, again, who was all over the page, off the grid, here, there, yonder. He zigzagged through life until he met the resurrected Lord. And, and he wrote the book of 1 Peter as a work of confidence for you and me as we do life. So it really sums up life. It sums up what Christianity is all about. If you want to know the bottom line, it's basically Swagonomics 101. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Simon Peter wrote it to do what? To give confidence and swagger. To who? Christians who were being persecuted. 
The church was blowing up. People were after believers. They were dispersed, and he writes this letter, and check out what he's talking about. He's talking about Godfidence. Are you ready for this? First Peter chapter one, verses three through seven. I'm gonna pick up just several words and talk about them. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Couple of words you gotta get. Mercy. Say mercy with me. Mercy. Peter said through his great mercy. What's mercy all about? Look up mercy. The synonyms, soft, compassionate, empathetic. That's true. Don't, though, decaffeinate mercy. Don't neuter mercy. Don't spay mercy. You know what mercy means? Whenever you see a term or hear a term, it's the law of the first mention in Scripture. Always go back to when the word is first mentioned in Scripture. When was mercy first mentioned in Scripture? Answer, the book of Genesis chapter 16. Lot was rescued because of God's great mercy, the Bible says, from Sodom and Gomorrah. What is mercy? It is being compassionate. What is mercy? It is being empathetic. Mercy, though, is being rescued from ruin rescued from the judgment of God. The judgment of God's not popular to talk about these days. People are scared of it. God is a God of grace, a God of love, a God of mercy. He's also a God of condemnation and a God of judgment. God does not hurl anybody to hell. We make that choice. We make that decision. Through the great mercy of God, He's rescued us from ruin. What's ruin? Hell. What's ruin? A Christless eternity. By doing what? By giving us, see the next word? A new birth, a rebirth. John chapter three, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. I'll say it again. Something so radical takes place in someone's life, they're literally reborn. Anybody watch The Wedding? Prince William and Kate? Come on, ladies. I didn't watch it, but. Oh yeah, I heard about some wedding parties all over town watching the royal wedding. My daughter threw a party, had all these women just going crazy. It was an estrogen fest watching the wedding. I was in California several years ago speaking and I saw Prince William in a hotel. It was weird, man, because I saw these guys in the lobby. They were all young and you know, good shape, dressed just casual. And they were just kind of, you know, standing in a circle. And I looked and I see this big old redheaded guy. And I'm thinking, man, I've seen that guy before. I said to myself, I think that's Prince William. But I'm like, that's all his security? Just a bunch of young guys with shirt tails out, kind of like this, all tatted up, you know? So I'll go over to the front desk and I said, excuse me. Um, I said, is it possible that Prince William, I know this is crazy, is staying in this hotel in LA? And the girl goes, well, I can't say yes or no, but there's a good chance he's here. <laughs> sure enough, that dude is lucky. He's the lucky conception guy. He was just conceived from royalty, right? Born into royalty, he's just got squillions of dollars. What do these cats do anyway? I mean, just, that's all another subject. No disrespect, but they're royalty. 
When we're born again, when we're reborn, the Bible says what? We're born into a living hope. So you might have been born into a living hell. Naturally, you can be born into a living hope. You can be born into the family of God. Yeah, he's got a good inheritance, but his inheritance pales in comparison to the inheritance that you have and I have. And again, Simon Peter's saying, this should give you swagger. This should give you confidence. It all is brought about through the resurrection. The resurrection gives you the horsepower, the power of God to live the life, to develop your dash. Because if you try to develop the dash yourself, your dash will never, ever compare to the dash that Jesus has for you. It doesn't. It doesn't. So mercy, through the great mercy, we're rescued from ruin, right? We're reborn, if we make that decision, born into living hope. That's swagger. That's confidence. We have an inheritance. That's another word that lasts forever. Well, I could stop and go, all right, that's it, man. And this is the cool message. We become believers. We have this pivot point in our life, everything is cool, everything is hunky-dory, no more problems, we walk down the primrose path, we gotta think positively, everything is a-okay. But that's not the real world. And Simon Peter talks about the raw and the real. He goes, you're gonna face some junk and funk. People are gonna screw you over. They're gonna betray you, they're gonna mess you around. Bad things happen to good people. They do. People get hit by drunk drivers. People die. Great Christians get cancer. It happens. We live in a fallen, infallible place. What do we do? Do we cower in fear? <gasps> do we try to stick our chest out and say, I'm the man, I'm the woman? Simon Peter says, we need to realize who we are, whose we are, and what we got. Because our dash only lasts for a little while. Let's keep going. Verses five, six, and seven. Verse four talks about the inheritance that will never fade. It's kept for you and me. Verse five, who through faith are shielded by God's power. We're talking about protection. Until the coming day of salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. I don't have time to get into the theology of salvation, but we are, we're saved, right? We're rescued. We have been saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. I just wanted to toss that in, a little, a little theology for you here. In this, you greatly rejoice. Wow, we rejoice. Though now for a little while, just a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. All kinds of trials, multicolored trials. Polka dotted trials. Trials that are busy. Someone walks in with an outfit, you're like, whoa, man, turn it off. We'll be hit with those kinds of trials and griefs. Multicolored, multifaceted, polka dot, plaid, whatever you want to think about. Crazy stuff. But here's the good news. We have multicolored grief, but 1 Peter chapter 4, he uses the word grace, and the picture behind the word grace is also multicolored. So, there is a grace for every grief. I'll say it again, there's a grace for every grief. Be a good place to clap. For some of you moms, it's spiritual granimals. 
You know what granimals are, don't you? Who does not know what granimals are? Lift your hand. Just, it's okay, granimals. Who knows what granimals are? Lift your hand. All right, granimals. You got like a pair of shorts, giraffe, and you match the giraffe, right, with the giraffe shirt. Pair of shorts, the dog, match those with the shirt with the dog, right? We face grief, we face suffering, we face doubt, we face temptation, we face trials. What? What do we do? What do I do? Ah! Oh! Realize the inheritance. Realize you're in the family of God. Realize you're a part of a living hope. Realize you're in the dash development business by God Himself. So the grief is a giraffe. You're like, oh man, I got a shirt to match over here in the grace department. Ooh. Oh, you're gonna give me a, a, a doggy shirt? Oh, I got a pair of matching doggy pants. See, see, there is a, there's a grace for every grief and that should give us confidence. Confidence. What are you facing? What are you dealing with? It's just a little while. The dash is just a flash, just a flash. Look at verse seven. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. There's the word fire again. Peter's got to bring that up again, right? Fire, he denied Jesus. Fire, Jesus reinstated him. May be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. A faith can only be trusted when a faith can be tested. Simon Peter went on record, I'm the man, I'm not gonna dish you, I'm not gonna back down. He fumbled the ball. Then Jesus, by the fire, reinstated him. Okay, talk is cheap. Uh, I mean, talk is dirt cheap. Are you really with me? And that's when something shifted inside of his life that never, ever shifted back. God allows trials and grief in your life and mine. He doesn't cause them. He allows them. When gold is, is, is in its liquid state, the heat's cranked up, the impurities rise to the surface, they're scraped off, thrown away. When you face a trial, when I face a trial, when you face temptation, I face temptation, when you face grief, when I face grief, when you face doubt, when I'm dogged by doubt, as God turns the heat up, the impurities rise to the surface, he skims them off, throws them away. Then when he sees his reflection, he knows we're ready to go to the next one. It's about character. It's about endurance. It's about vision. It's about commitment. It's about what are you doing with your dash? Have you made this decision to ask Christ to come into your life. Have you made this decision to do this? Because the Holy Spirit of God is the one that brings forth our new birth. It's the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit thing. So right now you might feel something in your soul like tugging you to make this decision. You're looking at this dash, you're thinking about your tombstone, you're thinking about maybe your 1990 model, maybe your 1985 model, you see the dash and the question mark, and you feel, and you know the Holy Spirit is saying, all right, you have an opportunity. In an instant, do it with me, one, two, three, you can make the decision to secure your eternity. 
Now remember, when you make this decision, it's a game changer. It puts you in the game, but there's a whole game to be played afterwards. It's not like, okay, I've made the decision. Wow, I'm a child of God. That's it, game over. I've got a first class ticket to the heavenlies. Well, yeah, you do. Now though, we're here to develop the dash. But have you made that decision? Have you made that commitment? Let me see, it is 1221, 121 in Miami. What have you done with your dash? Have you made this decision to follow Christ? It's soon to be, okay, right now it's 1222. What have you done? Have you received this, this gift? What have you done? What are you doing with your dash? I can't make this decision for you. I can lead you in it, but you've got to make it. It's a decision of hope, a decision of confidence. Well, I've got doubt. I heard about two pilots that went to an airport and they both had doubts about their abilities to fly this particular plane. And one guy looks around and goes, I will fly it. He walked across the tarmac with his doubts, jumped in, and flew this new plane, this experimental aircraft. Oh, landed it beautifully. All his friends were like, man, all right, incredible, you know. The other guy, he had doubts but he never flew the plane. He was grounded. I wanna challenge you to board the plane with your doubts. Having doubt means you got faith. No doubt, no faith. No faith, there's certainty. Nothing is certain. You don't think that God could deal with your doubt and my doubt, what? You gonna stand there? and let your dash develop your own way, recreate, procreate, do deals and die, or are you gonna board the plane with doubts? I'm telling you, the plane will take off and fly beautifully, but the choice is up to you. What are you doing with your dash? Right now, I wanna give you an opportunity to make this decision with your dash. If you're at one of our campuses, if you're watching this television, you're in a hotel room, at a bar, or wherever, if you're watching this online, listening to this on a podcast, you can make this decision right now. Here's what we're gonna do. I want every single person from the floor and the balcony at all of our campuses to pray this prayer out loud. I know that large blocks of you have prayed this prayer before. You have prayed this prayer before, good. All it takes is one time. But by you saying it, you will encourage others who've never said it to say it. You can't make them, but you'll give them confidence to do it. And as we say this prayer, the moment we pray this prayer, do it with me, in an instant, eternity will be changed and your dash will be developed 
in a dynamic way by the power of God. Would you pray for me? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. This is not my prayer. And this is not the prayer of large blocks of us, but this is the prayer that many here need to pray. And just say these words after me. It's a short prayer, but just say them after me. Everybody, dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, that I've messed up. I turn from my sins and turn to you. I believe with the best of my ability that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. And right now, I ask you to come into my life. I give you everything I am and everything I'll ever be. Show me the incredible dash development you have in my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. In Jesus' name. You know, the Bible says when someone becomes a believer, there's an ovation that takes place in heaven. And let's just echo what's happening right now in heaven. And thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.